You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. When I was recruited, I was told it was an open competition, and and that's the case regardless of what year it is. Um, The best quarterback's going to play, period. Luke's been pushing me, and I love it. I'm here for the competition. He's a talented guy. He gets after it. I get after it, and I think that's definitely helped me um, progress as a player, and it's gotten some fire out of me and I I think it's great for both of us and it's great for this team and that's part of my progression part of me getting better physically and and putting more time into practice uh, practice film things like that Uh, we we feel very strong as a team you know there's there's the little bits of game plan stuff that we'll have to put in within the next two weeks and from a physical uh, physicality standpoint from a detail standpoint me personally, I'm very confident in our team and, and what we can do. You know, at the end of the day, we'll go out there and have fun, do whatever. And in two weeks, that's that's when we'll really find out. And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Line Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, uh, Nate Klaus. Uh, uh, he'll join us later over the phone with a recruiting segment here later in the show. But uh, you, you heard uh, Adrian Martinez and, and Luke McCaffrey there, Robin, to start things out and. You know, it's one of those things right now. It feels like there's really nothing there, but you're still intrigued um, about a battle at quarterback just because the small taste that we got a year ago of Luke McCaffrey, I think, piqued your interest. And obviously the full taste that we got of Adrian Martinez at times last year didn't look very good. And so I think there's a lot of let's see what Adrian Martinez looks like week one. Uh, and if it doesn't look like what we want, I mean, there's going to be a louder and louder cry, I think, from the Husker fan base to get a different look um, at Luke McCaffrey. But as we know, Martinez is the guy. He'll be the starter week one. Uh, but when you play Wisconsin week two and Ohio State week one, um, you know, you're going to probably know right away what this is going to look like. Yeah, I mean, I think there's three factors involved here. One, Adrian Martinez hasn't made it through a full season healthy since his junior year of high school. Two, Luke McCaffrey has shown a lot of impressive flashes of what he can do in his limited opportunities at the collegiate level. Three, this coaching staff has not done anything to squash this conversation. Basically, uh, even as as late as Thursday, you know, he had Mario Verduzco out there saying that you know he basically sees both of these quarterbacks as uh, very similar skill sets and that that uh, experience gap isn't necessarily as wide as you might think, even though one's a redshirt freshman who's played in four games and the other's going into his third year as a starter. Uh, Apparently they are repping Luke, uh, as Verduzco said, a boatload with the first and second team offense. And so he's getting a lot of reps this offseason in this camp uh, to where I mean, it, they they just haven't closed the book on it. And until they finally do, they say, Adrian is our starter. Luke is our number two. This conversation is going to continue to happen like it always does with quarterbacks, but especially so with all those three factors involved. Well, and then you, we don't know the COVID situation there. If any of these quarterbacks have either A, tested positive at any time since the summer and spring, or B, have the antibodies in them. And that's a big puzzle or big piece of the puzzle this year. Because if you do test positive, you're out 21 days. That's three games on an eight-game regular season schedule and then the plus-one model at the end. Um, so that's theoretically 33% of the games that you will miss if you test positive. So you have to have a guy ready to go. Yeah, and so I guess that's kind of the luxury of their situation. Normally it'd be kind of a maybe a contentious thing where you know, you're trying to keep everybody happy. But I think that entire quarterback room – 
understands the situation that this season is. You know, it was crazy is that, you know, Adrian Martinez, you know, he was the one guy that came out and said that this is a, a, an open comp- competition. I came here uh, under the impression that the quarterback job would always be an open competition, and it remains so even though uh, I'm kind of the, the inherent quarterback. So uh, I think that's the, the right attitude to have, you know, for everybody involved that, you know, this isn't a me versus him type deal. It's, it's a collaborative effort where they realize that, you know, they're going to need all those guys. And uh, another layer to this is, you know, the Logan Smothers factor, the fact that he gets a free year of eligibility, that if something were to happen with injury or with coronavirus or whatever it may be, you know, you have a, a third guy that you could turn to. And oh, by the way, they keep bringing up Matt Masker, who, <laughs> uh, you know, Mario Verduzco praised uh, during his press conference. He's a so, tough-ass Nebraska tough-ass kid. Tough-ass Nebraska with a gun for an arm. So We can say that on radio. I think, I think so. It's a pod- we just did. Yeah, so. it's a podcast. I mean, whatever. Anyway, so uh, that, I think, is, you know, probably changes this quarterback competition I mean, compared to, you know, a while ago when you had, you know, Jebbia versus uh, Martinez, you know, that, that seemed like it was kind of a, there are two sides to it. And even back to all previous with, you know, Tommy Armstrong and all that, this one, I think the team can get behind either player. And with both guys kind of supporting each other, that creates a good environment and a healthy competition that's going to make everyone better as a result. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washed. Um, you know, Scott Frost also had his, uh, weekly or monthly radio show this past week and something he addressed and brought up um, was about Omar Manning. I think that is going to be something we'll be watching very closely on that first depth chart. Where is he at? And then obviously the Ohio State game. You know, what will be his role? Because Scott Frost did divulge that Manning has missed some time um, dealing with injury and other personal uh, reasons. Um, so what will that do in the grand scheme of things? Because this was supposed to be your big free agent that you signed um, to make the wide receiver position different than it had been under Scott Frost. And if there's any kind of delay in that, it's going to be interesting. Spring press conference, Scott Frost said that Omar Manning changes the look of Nebraska's offense by himself, just having that. And big, that was before he got to campus. Exactly. Yeah, so he, in, in theory, he is supposed to provide that element to the receiving core that was not there and has not been there, you know, basically <laughs> go back to, uh, I guess, Stanley Morgan or whoever it may be, but, you know, they just didn't have that type of athlete at the position. And so uh, it is a big deal. Uh, if, if whatever is, you know, keeping him from being a regular at practice and developing the way that he needs to in a condensed off season, uh, it's, it's worth monitoring for sure. And, you know, you pair that with, Scott's comments earlier this week. Uh, it, it seems like you know there's still work that needs to be done to get Omar Manning at the point where they need him to be. I'll tell you something else too. Um, we mentioned the eligibility thing, Robin. How with Logan Smothers, this is going to get really confusing over time, and it's going to create such a logjam on rosters nationwide. And it all it all sounds great today. Oh, you know it's you know you get a free year out of it, but. There's going to be a playing time price to pay long term because you're going to bring you're going to jam in another group of players. So you're going to have instead of a five year chart, a six year chart of players that will be eligible to play next year. And I I just I don't know. I I just think it's going to be a mess long term trying to figure out because none of these guys want to redshirt and sit. They want to play. So like this year's kids that could play and then still redshirt next year, they could be freshmen three times in their career yeah. COVID freshman redshirt freshman true fresh true freshman I mean it, it's crazy and that will be I think something we're gonna be talking about 
for many years to come. Oh, for sure. I mean, this goes well beyond just what it's going to do to the 2020 roster and uh, the 21 recruiting class. I mean, this is going to have a ripple effect for for years now. And you got to wonder, even though schools have the ability to bring back seniors, like like feasibly, how is that even going to happen? I mean, if everybody plays like eight to ten games, is, don't you think there's just going to be, okay, you got your sophomore year. You right. got your junior year. We're right. going to move things forward. Because um, I just think it's going to create uh, – it sounds good. Like, oh, you get a free sophomore year back. I mean, it sounds great, but it's going to cause a huge mess long term. Well, and like Wisconsin. I mean, they basically just came out and said – In the know, spring. In the spring that, you know, guys, <laughs> I know that you have the ability to do this, but we just can't make this happen and that was for olympic non-revenue sports. right so maybe no. the conversation changes for football but you're also talking about a lot more people when it comes to just football classes so uh i mean that i just don't know when you're talking about athletic departments that are already feeling the crunch carrying an entire extra class of scholarship players i mean that's that's a lot of mouths so, to feed and to dress and to house and all that stuff think about noah vedrill he went to rutgers as a grad transfer junior so he has two years well he'll get another year so noah vedrill can play three years as a grad transfer. He might be one of the first ever three-year grad transfer quarterbacks, and he could definitely have his master's degree done yeah, no doubt. by the time. <laughs> Good for him. I, I, I guarantee, I know Noah, he's a great student. He'll have it done. But all right, when we come back, uh, we're going to continue our opening headline and fall camp discussion. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. He's made some uh, some tremendous strides, you know, especially now that we're starting camp and being in pads. Uh, really excited for him. He's hungry to come out and, and be able to play for us. So expecting a lot out of him, and he's expecting a lot out of himself. So uh, he's getting better and better every single day. You know, just for him, it's just a, the live experience. He's got the talent. He's got the size. And for a big man, he can move pretty well. Uh, when it gets in live live game situations, he's got to continue to grow and get used to that tempo and that pace because it's hard to replicate that in practice. It, it just kind of taught me that you got to step up to the plate whether you're ready or not. Um, you just got to kind of throw yourself in there. But, I mean, with knowing this stuff, it's either you're ready or not. And I feel like I've progressed enough from last year to this year to where I can at least do my part of the job hopefully well but uh i can feel like i can produce for this team just a little bit more than last year and we're back here on the husker line show that was defensive line coach tony tuioti and richard freshman ty robinson who i need to apologize to i had a picture uploaded this week of william price step that was on getty images that um had the same number as ty robinson and i was trying to find a game picture of ty robinson and that was the one that came up and it was a punter making a tackle and that was a huge insult so my apologies ty but uh this segment of the husker online show is brought to you by tanner's sports bar and grill get on in there watch all the college football nfl action all throughout the weekend i was in there for lunch on monday um great food as always had the reuben sandwich um, and burgers are top top notch. Wings are the best in town. Uh, get on into Tanner's. Watch all the college football and NFL action here over the weekend at the newly remodeled Lincoln location. All right, Rob, let's talk Ty Robinson. I mean, you, you look at redshirt freshmen, second year guys on a line on the defense. It's been a while. I, I was trying to think about this. I really can't think of very many upfront guys that are redshirt freshmen that have taken on significant roles at Nebraska. Um, you know, I was trying to think of, was Avery Moss, was he a redshirt freshman when he started to play a little bit? Um, and, you know, there, there aren't very many is, is really what it all comes down to. 
Um, you know, and, and they're, I think, going to look at him being in a major role this year, and they're going to need him to play a lot of snaps for a young guy in this program. A lot of snaps at a couple different positions, given that he will be playing end and nose uh, this year, and that kind of speaks to the type of player that he is. I mean, they, they see him in that similar mold as what Carlos Davis did moving inside and out, and Carlos Davis played a ton of snaps. Uh, and so for a redshirt freshman to get that type of responsibility placed on his shoulders, um, I think that says more about just kind of how quickly he is developing. Keep in mind, I mean, this staff has been extremely high on him since, you know, even well into the beginning stages of the recruiting process. Remember that giant home visit they did when they sent the entire staff down there and had this, you know, big, you know, final pitch to, to lock up. They the have deal. like camels at his house. Yeah. <laughs> I remember <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard to forget that one, but it clearly this staff has seen something in Ty Robinson for a long time now. And uh, the ability to get him some game action towards the end of last year, while also preserving that red shirt was a, an ideal situation for them. Cause not only did he preserve that red shirt, he got to play in the games, you know, where you're thrown right into it against Wisconsin, against Iowa, against the, the bigs of the bigs when it comes to big 10 offensive line. So he, he saw that he got that taste. And when you look at the gains he's made this off season, the videos, Zach Duvall, the strength coach tweeted out uh, where <laughs> Ty looks like some like Viking coming off the ship, ready to ransack a village. I mean, that, that's the kind of stuff that, I mean, if you want to get Nebraska fans jacked up, those are the types of videos that'll do it. And you pair that with the comments that are being made by his head coach, his defensive coordinator, his position coach, every one of his teammates, you ask that, all of them, who is the one guy on the defensive line that's impressed? The first name everyone is saying is Ty Robinson. Well, he's as highly recruited of a D lineman as Nebraska's landed in a number of years. I mean, they Let's face it, they don't get a ton of high-profile four-star D linemen, you know, rivals 100-level type kids. And Robinson is that guy, and he's got the measurables and the size. And I think that's what's going to look the most different about Nebraska's defensive line. The Davis Twins and, and Darian Daniels, they were solid players, great players. They're all in the NFL right now. But they didn't actually have the true measurables and length to play a 3-4 spot. They just had to do it by necessity. I think finally, Robin, you're going to start to see this defensive line carry those measurables necessary. I mean, they want those DNs closer to 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. The Davises were about 6'2". Um, you know, and you look at the nose position, obviously uh, Damian Daniels returns as a proven nose. Jordan Riley, who was 6'6", 340, and then Ty Robinson. So I like the versatility. I think there's seven guys, as Tony Tuioti told us earlier this week, they're going to play in those three spots. And I feel like they have versatility, and most importantly, the length is going to be better across the board. Well, yeah, I mean, length, height, strength, uh, everything seems to be better. And the fact that there's just more numbers to work with where, uh, yeah, it's inexperienced, but uh, I think from a talent perspective and just, like you said, from a measurable standpoint, they're significantly upgraded up front. Now, how is that going to translate? We'll see because a lot of young guys kind of need to learn on the fly a little bit. But uh, Damian Daniels, 340 pounds. Jordan Riley, 340 pounds. Ty Robinson, 325 pounds. Uh, that's a lot of it's a lot of dude up front that uh, Nebraska hasn't had in a long time. And so uh, not only being able to have those types of players, but to have several of them at every spot to where you're, you know, feeling comfortable about being seven deep for three spots. I mean, that's an ideal situation or at least a lot closer to where they have been in previous years. You're listening here to the Husker online show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as we talk 
uh, fall camp and sticking on that defensive subject outside linebacker to me, Robin, if I were to just tab questions, because I know the secondary is thin a little bit in numbers, but I, they have a lot of frontline players there that can go. And I, I do think Nadab Joseph will, will get an opportunity and Quentin Newsom's there as well. And, uh, Miles Farmer, who they really like. Mm-hmm. So there's about seven guys in the secondary to play four spots. To me, that outside linebacker position, though, that that's where I have my worries. Caleb Tanner, JoJo Doman, Garrett Nelson, are they the guys that can get it done? And then can a Nico Cooper or Fidelius Payne, I just butchered his first name, I'm sorry about oh, that. Fidelius, you said it. Um, it kind of came off the tongue. <laughs> a little slippery <laughs> there, but um, yeah, can they get production there? And Everyone's like Nebraska's D line was the pr- no the D line to me was not the problem against the run. Three dudes to the NFL off that line. teams would not run right at those guys. Ohio State was the only team that really just said we're Ohio State we're going to run right at those guys and they did and they did it to everybody last year. But I, I, I look at the edge was the problem. You know guys Alex sure. Alex Davis and. You know, JoJo Doman or Garrett Nelson. I mean, guys getting sucked in on plays, not setting the edge, not getting pass rush. I thought that was exposed so much in conference games, particularly. Go watch that Minnesota game uh, where all they did were those little cutback counters and the edge was wide open because guys weren't where they were. Lack of discipline. Exactly. And so it wasn't the D line. And and, and the the casual amateur fans like, oh, the D line sucked, you know, and it. The D-line, I mean, go to the Iowa game. Nebraska's D-line dominated at times against Iowa's offensive line. Yep. And so, yeah, I'm with you. That that outside linebacker is a, if not one of the major concerns, the major concern uh, on this team maybe, of the fact that you, know, you have JoJo Doman, who is by far your best player at that position, but he is the first one to admit he was not nearly consistent enough last year to be an every down player. Yeah, he had a lot of big plays and a lot of flash plays. Kind of guest plays. But he wasn't good enough against the run. And so when it came down to playing the Wisconsins and the Iowas uh, and being a, a short yardage every down linebacker, they had to take him off the field. And so that is a big deal for him. And that's your best guy. And then, you know, Caleb Tanner, we've been waiting, what, two years now for him to really make that impact. It hasn't happened yet. And if it's not going to happen this year, Will it ever? And so you're here now roughly two weeks before your first game, and you're still experimenting by moving guys around. You're moving Payne to outside linebacker. You're moving uh, Nick Henrich around to, to – Possibly. Possibly inside out. But Barrett said Snodgrass that, can play outside yeah, Barrett too. said that they were working him at both. So, I mean, like they're still trying to figure out their depth at outside linebacker, and they're going to play the best team in college football here in a couple of weeks. So that – that's a problem that needs to be addressed ASAP. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk a little basketball before we get back into football. Uh, Robin Washett will update us. Uh, some new teams have committed to come to Lincoln, and the Huskers got some good news on the waiver front. Uh, a key player ruled eligible here for 2020. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com. Your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, talking Nebraska basketball now as still a lot going on. Uh, a couple of big things happened this week in the world of Nebraska basketball, Robin. Uh, but number one, let's go to the eligibility news. Um, the Huskers got a really, really big break, and um, we've been around for a while, and we're kind of used to things not going Nebraska's way in this area. Yeah, when it comes to working with the NCAA, especially uh, with eligibility, 
Nebraska's luck has not been good, to say the least. And so, uh, that being said, it wasn't necessarily a major surprise, if a surprise at all, that Trey McGowan's transfer from Pitt, um, who committed this past spring, uh, was ruled eligible immediately for this coming season. Um, just because of the the COVID situation, basically the NCAA has like said, you know what, if you have like any semblance of a case, we're, we're not going to like try to decipher which one's legit and which one's not. It's kind of basically to the point where it's almost a blanket deal as long as you do uh, things the right way through the right channels. And Nebraska did, got the waiver approved, and not only did they get it approved, they got it, this is maybe most importantly, got it uh, approved within – plenty of time for uh, them to prepare their roster accordingly for a guy uh, in Trey McGowan's who I project as a starter uh, this season uh, in in that backcourt. So a big deal in a lot of different ways, especially not only getting it approved, but getting the timing in which they got it. Yeah, you talk about COVID and all the bad things it's brought um, everything in the sports world and our day-to-day world, but the one good thing COVID has brought is a lot of just flexibility on waivers. Yeah, and again, you know, it's one of those deals where, like, for the NCAA, who's already, like, being overwhelmed with with all sorts of different things right now, uh, to have to go through the mountainous pile of waiver uh, applications and say, well, this one, they have a legitimate case, this one doesn't, it it just would not be feasible. And so, basically, Nebraska's case was Trey, uh, I mean, he, he wasn't unhappy. There wasn't anything crazy that happened with his follow-up pit. He just wanted a essentially a change of scenery. And so you look at the at the time that they that he left Pittsburgh was in April. And the northeastern part of the United States was getting hammered by COVID, probably more so than any place in the country. And he went to Nebraska, which at the time um, was you know, one of the least affected places in the country. So, now we're the highest, by yeah, the way. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, go figure. But uh, that was kind of the basis of the waiver, was he kind of wanted to go to a place that was safer for him. And uh, for the NCAA, like I said, that they're not in, in a position to – tell someone they're wrong for doing that. And so that's why I say as long as you fill out the the proper paperwork and, and do it the right way, your odds of getting a waiver submitted right now are probably 90 plus percent. So let me ask you this. Who's the leading score? If you, if you were to say this is going to be the leading score for Nebraska in 2000, 2021, who is that guy right now? For me, it's Teddy Allen right now. Like I mean, he is 12 a, to 15 a game type. Probably. Uh, it depends on how good the offense is. I mean, if they're scoring 80, some points a game, which Could is be certainly feasible. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of points to go around. And so he's a guy that I think has the potential to be, uh, you know, that that volume scorer in this offense. But they also have a lot of guys that could be double-figure scorers as well in that 8 to 10 range. So uh, I, I like him just because that's why he's here. I mean, he's a guy that lights it up. He's done it everywhere he's gone. Uh, and, you know, that's what the biggest draw for Nebraska was to start recruiting him. So I right now... I have him as that number one guy, but there's going to be other guys that are close. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washed, and things continue to come together as well, Robin, for this pod or tournament that's going to be taking place in Lincoln. Um, is it eight teams? Is it 16 teams? Give us the running count now of the teams that have at least been committed through sources um, according to different reporters well uh, i talked to a source speaking of sources on wednesday uh, who is directly involved with this whole situation and uh, the source confirmed that uh, five teams uh, the ones that were reported by cbs sports john rothstein on tuesday uh, were under contract so they are locked in and that was lsu nevada 
Northern Iowa, Illinois State, and Cleveland State. Well, here on Thursday, uh, word broke that Oklahoma State has now joined the field. So, uh, you know, those are two Power Six conference schools with Nevada, who's one of your top, I guess if you want to call them mid-majors. Oki State wants some revenge from Sioux Falls. Exactly. They got a guy <laughs> by the name of Donovan Williams on their roster who'll be a freshman that uh, I'm sure has some incentive to get fired up for that as well. So, uh, yeah, certainly an, an awesome addition to that field. And um, that source that I spoke with said that they he feels comfortable with 10 teams right now, including Nebraska, for that field. And the rest of it is probably a matter of finding – low to mid majors that are willing to take the money that they're offering uh, and, and get beat. Well, essentially. So here's the difference. This is where it comes down to. So a, a traditional buy game, you know, you're making 50, 60,000, something like that. And you know, if you play a handful of those that covers your whole athletic budget with these multi-team events, you're getting a lump sum for three games. And right now, I think just because of Nebraska situation, the fact that they are kind of scrambling just to fill this thing out, I don't believe that their um, financial offering is all, close. It's it's not. Yeah, it wouldn't be like they were playing three independent power six games for low major opponents. So like the draw isn't necessarily there right now. And they're kind of having problems getting the, to the, teams to commit to that, 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 the summit league teams. Exactly. Exactly. That, that want to come up here just because that's a sacrifice, especially when they don't even know how many games, uh, you know, they're going to play. If they devote three of them for X amount of dollars, you know that's that's a sacrifice probably than trying to play individual buy games uh, once the kind of pattern of the of the schedule starts to get filled out over the next couple of weeks. But if there's no fans and revenue coming in from fans, they can't expect the buy money to be what it is before. Yeah, and so like compare this tournament. I mean, this is a on campus multi team event MTE. You know, you compare that to like the the Maui Invitational, or you know, some of those big ones like the Battle for Atlantis. I mean, those those pay out a lot more, and that's why they get you know an entire field full of which Nebraska's not been invited to one of those for exactly. So that that just shows the discrepancy in you know what different multi team events can pay, and so this one is kind of at the bottom of the food chain a little bit, and they're looking for teams that are just kind of desperate for games or who either backed out of their previous maybe bus MTEs that can, yeah. I mean, look at the the field. It's all regional, maybe outside of LSU. So, uh, you know, I, for them to be able to get what they've been able to establish with LSU, who is going to be a power program, Northern Iowa won 25 games last year. Uh, you know, now Oklahoma state where they're on probation this year and won't play in the NCAA tournament, but they have a Cade Cunningham who was the number one recruit in the 2020 class as a freshman and, and also Donovan Williams. So, uh, I mean, that's a pretty, pretty darn good draw, especially the fact that they're not done yet. There's at least, uh, as far as I've been told, three more teams that, that like I said, uh, the elevate hoops is the third party entity. That's, that's weren't running this thing. They feel really good about, uh, the three, at least three more teams and they still want to get to 16. It's just a matter of finding enough of those low majors to fill out the field. And briefly, as we wrap it up here, Robin, the rapid testing that Nebraska can facilitate and, and manage, that's a big part of this because they can, they have the, the resources to provide the protocols needed. Yeah, and it's cheaper, too. Like, for them to go down down to Orlando, where the Myrtle Beach Invitational would have been played, uh, they would have paid more for, for those daily testing while there as opposed to getting it here on campus. All right, when we come back, we'll take your questions here in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 
you know, so he's done a really good job. He's been a leader in our room. Obviously, we're fairly young, uh, you know, experience-wise, so he's got to be the bell cow. Um, I expect a, a big senior year for him. You know, he's going to have to carry a, a good amount of reps for us, uh, but he's, he's done really well up to this point. I know he's excited uh, uh, to keep getting better and get ready for the first game. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. Time for the mailbag. Um, as lots of questions this week um, from our RSS chat we're going to bring into this week's mailbag. And um, the first question, Robin, um, has to do with the protocols. With all the Big Ten protocols, how confident are you we will see a nine-game season this fall? And I'll say right now, I don't know why, but I'm optimistic we're going to see it. Um, Maybe there'll be some hiccups, small hiccups, but – I do think playing last has its advantages because every day campus clears out more and more. This town clears out more and more. Um, there's just less going on. I was talking to my aunt who has a daughter that's a freshman at the University of Iowa right now, and she said the Iowa campus right now is just completely dead. I mean, there's really only out-of-state kids staying there, and a lot of the in-state Iowan kids have left campus. And I'd have to imagine Nebraska is the same way. A lot of local in-state kids can take their classes back in Omaha right now. I mean, especially if you can't go out and enjoy the bars and the nightlife and the house parties, it's not the same. So I think, Robin, they'll get all the games. And I, 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 today I have that feeling right now. I desperately hope you were right. I personally am a little more pessimistic just because of the razor thin line, all 14 teams. But does the daily testing help you in that situation? All it takes is one guy in one position group to go be an idiot. And you're talking about a ton of players and it's not even just, it's beyond Nebraska's control. That's the problem. Like, you know, what if some like dude at Rutgers goes out and uh, goes to a house party, gets COVID, goes back to his meeting room. And then in uh, the entire position, eight guys get infected games canceled. Right. A lot of these college football teams though, Robin have been together since May and June and they won't tell you this, but if they did an antibody test, which a lot of teams have done, their numbers are probably 50 to 60% that have either had it or had the antibodies. But and you're still so, only talking about seven to eight guys. I mean, that's so so few players before a team has to shut down for a week. Like that, that's where I'm just concerned. Like I, I I believe Nebraska can get through it fine. I believe Ohio State can get through it fine. I just worry about these other places that uh, you know were reluctant to even play football this fall to begin with, being able to keep their guys on schedule under control for you know that you know, two, three months in a row. I mean, there's just no room for error right now. And to think that somebody's not going to screw it up, I just have a hard time seeing it. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we take your questions in the mailbag. What is your surefire win and your surefire loss for 2020? As we know, there aren't a lot of just surefire wins on yeah. this schedule. Um, I, I would say Illinois, and I think Robin would tend to agree, but Purdue, I don't know. I just think Purdue could end up being one of those games too. I just don't think they're going to be as good as they have been. And playing Rondell Moore in December outdoors on grass, I don't think he's going to look like he normally looks. And then my win or my loss, Ohio State, obviously. Yeah, yeah, that's those are my two. I had Illinois, but uh, I would probably consider Purdue maybe a little bit higher if they actually they continue to open with Purdue because of the Bob Diaco element. I mean, the fact that they tried to go through an offseason trying to 
figure out what whatever he's talking about, you know, in practice and all the weird jargon he uses and metaphors and all that stuff. Uh, as we've seen, uh, that that's that's just a process to try and uh, understand what's going on between his ears, and especially with the disrupted offseason, they could be in some trouble early. When will they announce all the walk-ons on scholarship? Um, you know, that's always something Nebraska fans are curious to hear. We know Luke Reimer, and we've reported that a long time ago, was given a scholarship in August right when things started. Um, he's been the only one. There's like four other ones now that they can hand out. My guess is Cade Warner will be one of them. Um, after that, it's really hard to say. I mean, if Connor Culp wins the kicking job or William Prystep wins the punting job over Daniel Cherney, I mean, I think some of those specialist guys yeah. have an opportunity. Brody Belt's a walk-on that's played and done a lot. I mean, I think there's a lot of ways. Any walk-on names, Robin, that you would throw out there that you think – uh, could have a chance uh, to get on scholarship here. Well, yeah, uh, you know, Ryan Held went out of his way to mention one of those running backs in Cooper Jewett, uh, the redshirt freshman out of Elkhorn South. I mean, obviously he's a redshirt freshman, so I don't know how high he would be no. on the priority no, no list. No way. So uh, other than that, I mean, I think it's kind Maybe of Maybe uh, Damian Staff or um, Damian uh, Jackson. Jackson. I think Damian Jackson's a guy that – Yeah, that's an obvious one. That That's in just what he means to the program. I, I think he has definitely earned one and deserves one at some point. And it's confusing because they do give what's called second semester scholarships. And it's almost as good as the full thing. You get January to August covered. So that's eight months you're on scholarship. The fall ones are a little bit tougher to get because the new guys come in at that point and then the attrition hasn't kicked in yet. So, um, you know, you essentially don't get covered that semester, but there are a lot of guys in that walk-on program that can take, you know, they can get a lot of credit hours done, Robin, um, from January to August on the on the scholarship that covers summer school and the spring semester. Spring semester. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I think that's one of the coolest things that Nebraska does every year, and that's why Nebraska fans get so excited about it, is that it, you know, it speaks to the meaning of the walk-on program and how many of those guys that go on to, to earn scholarships end up becoming fixtures on either side of the ball. Which game does Nebraska have a better chance to win, Wisconsin or Iowa? That's a great question um, because I think Wisconsin's going to have a top 10 national defense. They're going to be loaded up front. I think Iowa loses a lot. I think going to Iowa City won't be as tough either because there won't be fans there as of now at least. New quarterback, um, there's been a, it's been a long offseason in Iowa City. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and On and off the field. You just feel like – Things are pretty fragile there, and you know a bad start by the Hawkeyes, and they they are a slow starting team traditionally, but they usually get to play Northern Iowa or somebody like that to kind of work out those kinks um, before they play their their meat of the schedule. So I think Iowa would be where I'd lean today. Yeah, I, I'm with you too. Uh, the only thing with Wisconsin now is the quarterback factor. Uh, you know, losing uh, Jack Cohn. But, but now Wisconsin's have, quarterback is always he's the game manager. Yeah, but, I mean, they're, he's, they've been really excited about Mertz. He's the highest-rated recruit yeah. they've ever gotten. So, I mean, how good is he going to be? And is he going to have those typical, I guess, you know, young guy, young quarterbacks struggles that most have, or is he going to hit the ground running and change the entire dynamic of Wisconsin's offense? And the fact that Nebraska gets him week two, they'll find that question out in a hurry. Got a question on eligibility. Um, will the transfers like Nuri Nueli, Ezra Miller, and Oliver Martin, Colorado State, and then two Iowa transfers, will they be ruled eligible this year? And I can tell you Nuri Nueli has been already ruled eligible. That was reported a while back. But 
I don't have an update on the Iowa guys. Have not really heard their names. No. Ezra Miller's a walk-on um, that sat out. Uh, I mean, I think he's going to need a year just to get right. But Oliver Miller, you know, he he to me would be a guy that could help Nebraska at least play a little bit this year if, if he's ruled eligible. Yeah, I mean, he was a guy that Iowa um, Oliver Martin, by the way, not, not Oliver Mar- Oliver Miller's the <laughs> old power forward, <laughs> the former Phoenix Suns Arkansas guy. Yeah, uh, but he was a guy um, that obviously started at Michigan and then transferred to Iowa, and I was really high on him, and for whatever reason, uh, it just didn't work out for him there. But uh, I mean, he's he's got talent. I think it's just a matter of just kind of getting settled into a place and uh, understanding the offense and kind of just uh, you know finding finally finding a home uh, going forward. And final question of the chat what is your favorite fall drink and for me i do like the pumpkin spice lattes um not very many of them i'll I'll have like one or two just to kind of get that feel and i you know it will be sad that assuming i travel but we're only going to probably travel one on the road this year usually robin and i on the you know just the perfect fall saturday on the road in state college or ann arbor you get your pumpkin spice latte and you're walking on campus with the leaves falling down. I mean, it just feels like fall. And, and that is something um, you know, you'll kind of miss this season, not having that fan atmosphere in those college towns when you go in, on the road and watch Nebraska play. Um, but I am a Oktoberfest beer fan as well. I mean, but yeah, I, I definitely can go th- for a few pumpkin spice lattes. I'm not huge on the pumpkin spice. I mean, I, I, I don't dislike it, but I don't like seek it out. So for me, uh, yeah, Oktoberfest every year. I mean, there's so many different ones out there that uh, just trying the the new ones that come out from brewery to brewery is always fun. But if I have to go through a staple adult beverage, give me an old-fashioned on a crisp autumn day. In Madison, Wisconsin. Ooh, baby, let's roll. Well, Madison, Wisconsin is probably the old-fashioned capital of the Big Ten. It's got to be up there. I mean, <laughs> I have yet to have a bad one there. I'll tell you Food that is very good in Madison, Wisconsin. I mean, that, that's one big thing they have going there. The restaurant scene, the beer scene, um, and it, it, very few chain restaurants when you're walking around yeah. downtown Madison. There's a, there's a lot for people not, or at least Nebraska fans, not to like about Madison. But when you're just going there as a uh, objective observer, uh, it's a pretty fun town. Well, uh, you can have a lot of good times there. Ten years ago, that was a different deal. You know, I think everyone that's gone back has enjoyed their trips there. Um, Friday night, Nebraska fans take over State Street Brats every time we've been there, and they kind of set up camp base there. And, yes, they do. Um, but we don't, the, the upstairs part's the dance floor part, and a few yeah, – that, That's for the interns. A few drunk Husker fans make just their give, way up there. but Give me a booth on the main floor, have a couple brats. With a playoff then, baseball then, game on. And spotted cow the rest of the night. <laughs> Good conversation with Andy Kendi, and it's a good Friday night. But all right, uh, when we come back, Nate Klaus will join us. Uh, We'll be joined by Nate over the phone as we'll talk recruiting, including the offer to James Carney. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. But, you know, yeah, it's challenging because I think when kids get on our campus, they see all the great things, and that's a winning edge uh, for us in the recruiting process. We've just had to to adjust just like every other program and, and find ways to be creative uh, and you know not complain about it, just figure out a way to get it done. 
Uh, and I think we've done a really good job up to this point. We feel good about the 21 class, uh, what we have at this point. We're not done, and then obviously we got to be moving on to 22s to get that thing rocking and rolling. Our guys have been uh, working hard with that as well. It'll be nice for us to to play here in a couple weeks, two and a half weeks, so then recruits can see us, you know, on TV as well. Uh, that will help because you know obviously we haven't played yet, but that'll really help uh, to be on TV and be seen. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. That was Nebraska running backs coach and recruiting coordinator Ryan Hell just talking about the challenges that are ahead. And Nate, uh, as we bring in Nate Klaus here over the phone, uh, Scott Frost on his radio show pretty much broke down what their needs are um, in recruiting here to finish out the class. And he said they need two more defensive linemen, maybe another defensive back. And then after that, it's take the best available player Kind of your thoughts on the final stretch here for Nebraska and how they're trying to wrap up this 2021 class. Well, yeah, that, I mean, what Scott Frost said on the on his radio show is pretty close to what I think we were all thinking Nebraska wanted to take or, or needed to take to close out this 2021 class. Uh was a little surprised he, he said only two defensive linemen. I figured that might be closer to three. Um, and that he didn't mention any any more linebackers in the class necessarily. That's not to say that they won't take a third D lineman or an extra linebacker as one of those next best available, but uh, it was a little interesting the way that, that he broke that down. But uh, for the most part, I mean, they're in their stretch run here. They only have a handful of spots left, and, and I think you do need to be somewhat selective there uh, with, with uh, who you're taking if they're not one of those two defensive linemen or uh, defensive backs that he mentioned. But uh, certainly I think they're in on, on a handful of guys that could very well fill those holes going forward. And I misspoke, Nate. You're right. He said linebacker. He said they need a couple more defensive linemen. Then after that, best available, another defensive back and a linebacker um, are kind of the priorities. Um, but you talk about best available, Nate, and we saw that maybe play out this week with an in-state offer to Norris tight end James Carney, who has an Iowa offer, a Pitt offer, and a K-State offer. Nebraska came in with an offer, and I think this is kind of how things are going to go over time. When when there is an in-state kid that gets respectable Power 5 offers like James Carney has gotten, particularly Iowa and Kansas State local programs, I think Scott Frost and the staff have made the decision we are going to find a way to make it work with these guys uh, because there are very few of them in our state, and we got to make sure we keep them all. Yeah, there's no question about it. I think that, and I think it makes all the sense in the world to do that. I mean, the worst feeling in the world is when you pass on an in-state kid and he goes to you know a, either a divisional rival of yours or kind of a regional school like a K-State would be and has success there. And, and then everyone, including the coaching staff, is you know left wondering what could have been. And so I, I think it makes total sense to go ahead and and to to make the numbers work and bring somebody in who uh, you know knows the lay of the land. Uh, obviously, grew up being a fan of the program and and uh, you know probably dreamt of being a Husker just like James Carney. Um, you know, and obviously we'll find out next week exactly where where James Carney is going, whether it's Nebraska, Iowa, K-State, um, you know, likely one of those three schools. But I, I think it's smart for the staff to, to kind of realize that, hey, um, when there's an in-state guy like that that is that talented um, and that has those other types of offers, we got to make a way to, to – or find a way to make it work. And 
Um, you know, that's something we haven't necessarily seen every staff do over the last 10 to 15 years. With that said, Nate, both you and I have spent a lot of time now around James Carney and have met his family. Just from your radar and your gauge, I mean, would you be shocked if Nebraska doesn't land James Carney on Monday, October 12th, when he's expected to make his announcement? Yeah, you know, I would be shocked. I, um, you know, I, I think that there's still, you know, there's still a chance that anything can happen. And, and I've kind of talked about this, you know, through ever since he got the offer. You know, I think uh, it's one thing to grow up being a fan of a program as a child, but when when you're actually being recruited, I think you, you do view things through a little bit different lens as far as, you know, what uh, what situation is the best for you, what type of offense or defense or scheme might be the best for you at the next level because, you know, those are all questions you have to, to ask yourself and as you go through the recruiting process. But at the same time, I, I think that, you know, regardless of when that Nebraska offer came, uh, just knowing James and, and talking with him for as long as we've been talking with him, that was always an offer that he's wanted. And so when that came through, you know, he, he told me, I said, you know, pretty safe to say that you were excited to get that offer. And then Carney basically said, yeah, understatement of the year. And so uh, he, he, he was very, very excited to, to talk with uh, Scott Frost when he got that offer. And, um, and I would be pretty surprised if it wasn't Nebraska, uh, you know, here on this coming Monday or so, but, uh, but, you know, as you and I have seen over the years, anything can happen with recruiting, so we'll just kind of have to wait and see for sure. Nate, what's interesting to me is you have five Power 5 tight ends now right in this area for 2021 and 2022 in Thomas Fedoni, A.J. Rollins, both Nebraska commits, James Carney, who got the Nebraska offer, then Caden Helms and Micah Riley, both 2022s at Bellevue West. Um, I mean, it's going to be hard to, to get all of it to come together with that many kids log jammed together. When you look at James Carney, how do you stack him up in that group of five? Well, I mean, he's right, he's right towards the top, in my opinion. Um, and, and I think one of the things that, that impressed me the most and, and that makes me feel that way is just his performance at the Warren Academy Showcase uh, this past July, you know, when he was he was going toe to toe with Thomas Fedoni, who's arguably the top overall tight end in the country, uh, top 100 prospect overall prospect in the country, and um, and Carney measured in just just as big, uh, actually a few pounds heavier than Thomas Fedoni. He ran um, a little bit faster than Thomas Fedoni, and uh, you know when they were doing their one on ones, I mean he was he was basically matching uh, everything Thomas Fedoni did on the field. And so uh, that really, really opened my eyes because I hadn't seen him. First of all, that was the first time I'd really gotten a chance to see him up close and in person. Uh, But you could also see the the amount of work that he had done uh, to kind of get to that level. And so I think James Carney's right there towards the top with with Thomas Fedoni. And um, and then, you know, you have to be excited about those underclassmen. You mentioned Caden Helms and Micah Riley. Those are two guys that are, that are quickly rising up the ranks. And um, to me, I think A.J. Rollins is a little bit of the, the wild card out of the group because, um, you know, out of all those players, I think that he may be the best overall athlete or one of the best overall athletes uh, that could possibly play a, a couple different positions. And so, it's going to be hard for Nebraska to get all five of those guys, considering 
the you know the log jam that they might have at the position. Uh, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised maybe if if uh, AJ Rollins could be a guy that you know as he continues to develop and, and become a better football player. Uh, you know, since he's kind of been a basketball p- player primarily growing up, uh, you know, maybe he maybe he moves to a different position or, or gets a, another look at a different position to help alleviate the potential logjam too. Nate, do we know how James Carney is going to make his announcement on Monday? Not for sure, at least not the exact details. I, I think that, um, you know, I, I don't think there's going to be like an official press conference or anything like that, but I do think that, um, you know, he's making some sort of video um, or, or at least going to have some some graphic presentation uh, that will likely go out on Twitter at the very least. Uh, and that's that's kind of what we know as of right now. But um, you know, and then like it, like I said earlier, it's going to be between Nebraska, Iowa, K State for sure. Those are the three teams that he's kind of narrowed it down to. And, um, you know, and, and we'll find out on Monday exactly, you know, what that official decision or announcement is, is going to look like. All right. Well, lots to stay logged on uh, to Husker Online as we'll have complete practice coverage here with uh, fall camp going on just two weeks away from Nebraska and Ohio State. Then James Carney will be making his announcement on Monday. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.